morning our New Testament lesson comes from Paul's second letter to Timothy from the third chapter, starting in verse 14. Hear these words. But you must continue with the things you have learned and found convincing. You know who taught you. Since childhood, you have known the holy scriptures that help you be wise in a way that leads to salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, for training character. So the person who belongs to God can be equipped to do everything that is good. I'm giving you this commission in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is coming to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearance and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready to do it whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Correct, confront, and encourage with patience and instruction. There will come a time when people will not tolerate sound teaching. They will collect teachers who say what they want to hear because they are self-centered. They will turn their back on the truth and turn to myths. But you must keep control of yourself in all circumstances. Endure suffering, do the work of a preacher of the good news, and carry out your service fully. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth, the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We know that we are supposed to love the Bible. Listen to Psalm 119, a couple of verses that were read here, right? The psalmist writes, I love your instruction. I think about it constantly. He also says, your word is so pleasing to my taste buds. It's sweeter than honey in my mouth. Friends, this psalm, Psalm 119, is the longest psalm, the longest chapter in all of the Bible. It goes 176 verses, okay? And every single verse of that is an ode to the Bible, to the words of God. We know that we're supposed to love, cherish, adore reading the Bible, And yet, I think that some of us would say we do way more than we practice it. So this morning, I want to get down to kind of real life with you and talk about some true facts about the Bible that is in your home. All right? So we're going to share some true facts about the Bible in your home. The first thing is this. A Bible on the side table does not mean a Bible that is read. Okay? A Bible that is on the side table or the bookshelf... uh, does not mean one that is read. What I mean by this is that if you want to spend time in your life reading scripture, have a time and a place where you plan to do so. Don't just keep it there hoping that the magnetic lure of the Bible will be more powerful than Netflix, right? It probably won't most of the time, or you'll just fall asleep, or you'll forget that it's there because it got buried under Southern Living, or whatever else you read, okay? So, friends, we schedule important things in our lives, and we put them on a calendar. 
reading the Bible and spending time with God should be the same. So here's some ideas for that. And this might sound like I'm talking very basically, but it's intentional. Maybe first thing in the morning is a good time for you. Maybe you're a morning person. That's how you operate. It's, it's a good time for you to go and launch into it. You like to read it with a cup of coffee and everything like that. Or maybe you're not like that at all. And that sounds horrible. And waking up more than three seconds before you need to leave is impossible. That's okay. You could also read at night before you go to bed, right? That would be another time. But if you're like me, you fall asleep during that, so that's not a very good time. Maybe in the midst of your day, you could stop midday and read the Bible, right? There, there's all sorts, you could do first thing, last thing, middle. I'm giving you all sorts of options, right? But the key is that you have a time. For me in my life right now, the way in which I spend time in scripture and prayer actually occurs multiple short times throughout my day. It fits better for, what, for where I am in life right now, and it's actually freed me up from feeling really bad about not doing it right away in the morning. So, so that's where I am. But, but the key for me is that, is that the Bible shouldn't just sit there looking nice. Or it shouldn't just be a thing that develops coffee rings on it because it became your stand for something while you read a novel, okay? Um, but, instead, but instead, we actually need to, open, we need to open it and spend time in reading it. The second thing that I would say about this Bible that's in your home is that point and shoot is not a good method when it comes to reading the Bible, all right? In other words, don't just say, like, well, I'm just going to open and see what it says to me today and open to a genealogy in the Old Testament, right? <laughs> like, it doesn't work. You've tried or, you've, or you've, you've landed on Leviticus and you've been like, God, you better say, it says all scripture is God-breathed, so you better show me something here, right? Like, have a plan when it comes to reading the Bible. Many of us have tried to read the Bible straight through. How many of you have tried to read the Bible straight through before? How many of you have failed at reading the Bible straight through before? All right? Probably 100% of the people that have tried at some point have failed in that journey. That's because it ain't meant to be read like that. Okay? It's, it is very, very hard. It takes a supreme amount of discipline and self-torture almost to read it straight through as ju just Genesis through Revelation. Okay? But so I would say, like, stop trying to do that and don't feel bad about the fact that you haven't. Instead, I would say, maybe start and read one book of the Bible straight through. Start with a gospel. Pick whichever one you would like, okay? Take Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Read one chapter each day. So you don't have to read through a bunch. It doesn't have to be like a, you know, a five-chapter section. It could be... 10 verses. It could be less than a chapter. You could take a long time to read through a gospel. That'd be fine. Take some notes about it in a journal, about what you're learning. Mark up your Bible, right? Highlight it. That way it doesn't sit just as a nice looking thing. Like highlight or underline it or circle things that, that you notice. Put a bookmark in it for where you stopped that day, right? And all the while while you're reading, ask yourself this question. What is God saying through this passage? What is God saying through this passage? The point of reading scripture for us is that God speaks to us through the scripture. It's that we can be in conversation with God. Friends, prayer for a lot of us seems to us like it is a one-way conversation. Like we are talking to God, and then we listen, and we hope that God kind of says something, and then he doesn't really most of the time, and so we kind of give up on praying eventually because we're tired of it just being a one-way conversation. And the fact is, is that we have been given this book because God speaks to us through it. 
It becomes the way in which God can communicate to us and communicate with us. That means that we have to open it and read it. Do we always perfectly understand what God's trying to say to us that day? No. But we're going to go into some ways that we might understand a little bit more how God is speaking to us. And what we are promised, right, is this. Second Timothy, he says, Since childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures that help you to be wise in a way that leads to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, and for training character so that the person who belongs to God can be equipped to do everything that is good. So friends, we need to come to our scripture reading with a time and a place, and we need to come with some kind of plan, right? It doesn't have to be a complex plan. It doesn't have to be the type of plan that marathon runners follow for three months in order to run a marathon. It could be as simple as like, hey, the book of Philippians is four chapters. I'll bet you this week I could read the book of Philippians. And you know what? You'd be really encouraged if you did that this week. There's a hit. Read Philippians or read James. James is five chapters. Go ahead and do it, right? And, and that's the first way to get into this is to making it a common rhythm and habit. The third thing I would say about the Bible in your home is this. Jesus didn't speak like Shakespeare, okay? Jesus didn't speak like Shakespeare. Many of us grew up with the King James Version of the Bible. We might even like how it sounds, especially when it speaketh of familiar passages, right? So we might like it. We might like the tone of Matthew, of, or sorry, of, of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in one. He maketh me lie in, you know, in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. We like the leadeth and stuff like that. The fact is, is that the King James translation was written around the same time as Shakespeare was, okay? And at the time, in the 1500s in England, that was how normal people talketh. And we don't talketh like that anymore, all right? Like, y'all... The reality is that the King James Version is 500 years old, and a lot of work has gone into biblical scholarship since then. It's not that there's just other translations out there. There's better translations out there. They're better. It's, it's, it, they're more accurate ones than the King James Version. Now, you might not want to tell your grandma that, okay? But I'm saying it. I'm saying there are better translations out there. When you have a Hebrew version of an Old Testament or a Greek version of the New Testament, the bottom half of that, of that document is filled with references to which ancient manuscripts each phrase comes from. It's fun stuff, okay? And, and some of those, how to read them differently because they found this in a more old manuscript, but yet a majority of manuscripts read this way, and it tells you about every single little change in that. The critical Greek New Testament right now is in its 28th edition of publication, okay? Every time they find more manuscripts, it changes those footnotes beneath. It changes what appears there. So newer translations are definitively better and more accurate, okay? I use the Common English Bible when I'm up here preaching. You might say, well, that sounds too common. And what I'm telling you is that Jesus spoke like a commoner. He spoke Aramaic, which was the commoner's version of Hebrew, Okay? It was simple language that Jesus spoke. And then 
the, the Roman world was really speaking Koine Greek at the time, so that's what the New Testament got translated into. That's what it was first written in. Common language, everyday language of people. So this Common English Bible, it's a partnership with a variety of denominations. It was published with the United Methodist Publishing House, so you won't find it in many stores because we don't have Methodist bookstores anymore, but there's plenty online. You can look at Cokesbury and find it, or Amazon, or ChristianBook.com, any, any of those places. It's the first translation that was ever done with women scholars as some of the main translators. Probably a good thing, right? It used reading groups from small groups of churches of over 50 denominations represented. It wanted to be both accurate and readable. I'm not making a commercial for this translation, but I use it because I think we can understand it better when we hear it, okay? It's not rocket science to me. It's just that they made a goal to be at like an eighth grade reading level as opposed to a 12th grade. And when you hear 12th grade reading, even if you can read it at a 12th grade reading level, it's sometimes hard to get when you hear it, okay? So that's what I use. But I use other translations too, the New Revised Standard Version that's in your pews, okay? It's in most mainline denominations a standard. It is in our pews and came out in 1989. It is accurate, just not as readable as this one, but it's a good translation. I use the message sometimes at home. That's a paraphrase that Eugene Peterson wrote. Its language is more common than this one, right? And sometimes it says things in a different way that helps me think about it. I use the New International Version that I had in middle school and high school because I like how the pages fall out when I read them. All right, like, that's a good translation too. Like, that's fine. All I'm saying is that Jesus didn't speak like Shakespeare, right? Like, he, he didn't do it. So, like, it's fine to look at the old King Jimmy you got at home. That's fine. Just read something else, too, okay? Just read something else, too. Because if, if all you have sitting there is a King James, I guarantee you that some of the reason why you stopped reading the Bible is because you're reading from the King James, and you don't want to do the translation work in your head of translating old English into current English. Because that's hard to do. And I, unless you're a literary buff, Reading Shakespeare is boring. So anyway, um, right? So the fourth thing that, that I would say that about a fact about the Bible in your home is a lot of people would say, well, the Bible says it, and that does it. The Bible says it, and that does it. You see, many people would say that we just need to read the Bible literally and just do what it says. And I would ask them what they are wearing. Because most likely they are wearing blended fabrics that are forbidden in Levitical law. I would ask them when they last ate a cheeseburger. Because Old Testament practice forbids not eating kosher or separating meat from dairy. You get the picture. You see, we need to know that when we are reading scripture, we are reading individual books that are of a different nature from one another. You have this chart on the back of your bulletin. Okay, this, this breaks down some basics about biblical genre, okay? There are narrative books in the Old Testament, right, that tell a story, a grand story, starting with Genesis, going through Exodus, even continuing into the period of the kings, and that tell us the historical position of Israel. But then there's also all these prophets in the purpley, okay? Those prophets, right, are writing at the same time as a lot of the history that's going on. This is why you can't read it straight through, because all those books of prophecy, a lot of them are happening at the same time as the kings and of Samuel, all right? So chronologically, Isaiah is speaking to King Ahaz, right? Jeremiah is speaking to kings of that time. There, there's, there's relationship 
going on there between those different times of history. The prophets are speaking truth to those places of power where the people aren't usually following God very well, okay? And then we also have this whole section of writings that really each kind of read their own. Job, right? The story of Job doesn't really fit classification with all the others. The Psalms, the book of poetry, the, early, the earliest prayer book of the Bible, right? And, and, and on and on. We have Song of Songs. We have a love song in the midst of this. Some of these things, are they, they don't, we don't read them the exact same way that we would read other pieces. Then in the New Testament, right, we have the Gospels. The Gospels are a specific type of literature. They're not biography like we're used to biography in 2019. That's because they didn't know what biography was then, right? They were writing a persuasive narrative to try to help different people know who Jesus was. That's why we got four. They're writing to different groups of people, writing from certain perspectives. Acts, you see a combination there. It says Luke and then Acts. Acts is the second half of Luke's volume. Wherein, wherein Luke is writing about what happened to the early church and is exemplifying how Peter and Paul and John were leading this new movement called the church. And they had the same power that Jesus had and were doing it in amazing ways. Then you have all these letters, right? Like a whole big old list of them. And Paul is responsible for writing half of the words of the New Testament. These words of 2 Timothy that we read today count in that. They're called pastoral epistles because he wrote them specifically to people, right? But then we also have these ones to the churches, just in various areas. When we read Romans, we're reading to a church that he, that he established and helped talk to in Rome. That's why it's called Romans, okay? And then finally, we have this other book, Revelation, which if you've read it, you know it's other, Right? And people want to make, they want to say, well, we just need to read Revelation literally. How the heck do you read Revelation literally? Like, you ever seen a four-headed beast, right? You ever seen that stuff? That's pretty tough to do. Clearly, the writer was symbolizing things in the book of Revelation. We can say that and not be anti-Bible people, okay? We can say that, and it's okay. But I need you to hear me. It is not as simple as just saying, well, the Bible says it, so that does it. We read these genres differently, just like you read a biography or a news piece different than you read a favorite piece of poetry. You, you approach those things differently, right? You read the trashy romance novel different than the sonnet, right? Those are different genres, right? The reason why we study the Bible is because it involves the work of interpretation. That's why we use that word study. It is not something you can simply pick up, read, and do like a manual, right? If we could, then we'd all do it. It'd be a lot easier. But the fact is, is that that's not how it works. Fifth thing I'd say about that Bible that you have is that I'm confused when I read the Bible, we might say. We might say, I've picked it up and tried. I really have. I, I've, I've given it the old college try, even beyond even beyond doing, um, just trying to read it straight through, I've tried to plan, I've tried to do other things. Here's the fact, is that sometimes you need the right tools to understand the Bible. A good translation, like I was talking about, is the start. And while the internet can be handy, it is also full of people who have interpretations, right? 
Just like how the internet can be handy for learning about that weird spot on your finger, but, but sometimes it's not so helpful, right? Same way. Same way. I recommend having a good study Bible, the kind that has notes that are written underneath to help you understand what it's saying. I really like and have used the Common English Bible, Study Bible. I think it falls in line with how we understand Scripture as United Methodist people. I think it has smart people that wrote those notes and aren't incredibly biased. So I like that one. It helps me. Some of you might have an old NIV Study Bible that you sit and study with. You might have all, there's all, Lord knows there's so many different kinds. But if it helps you understand a little bit about the, you know, if there's a couple pages at the beginning that say, hey, this is what Matthew's about. Here's how it's outlined. That's helpful when you're studying the Bible. Other tools and websites like BibleGateway.com where you can find any version of scripture and even read multiple versions side by side. Friends, this is a key study tactic. If you don't understand what it's saying in one version, it's sometimes really helpful to pull up three versions side by side and look at them because it wasn't written in English first. And then you can start to say, oh, that's what that means. Or, oh, I didn't read. Or if there's one word you're struggling with, and you want to pin down how it says that in other places. That can be really helpful. On BibleGateway.com, you can literally pull up parallel versions, same text, and you can stroll, look at them at the same time. You can even print there if you like to do that. You can invest in something called a concordance, or you can find one online. It's where you'd look up one word and find all of its occurrences throughout the Bible. Okay, so you might say, I want to understand what grace means. And then you look up grace, and then you'd see all the places in the Bible where it talks about grace. Okay, that can be a helpful way to study. You could also use a series like N.T. Writes for Everyone series. He has one on each book of the New Testament. You can use it as a study partner as you read. But these are all ways in which you can have tools to understand if you're someone who's getting confused. And the sixth thing I'd say about that Bible that is sitting on your shelf or whatever is that I can't just read it for myself. Friends, we need to have holy friends and conversation partners when we read the Bible. Sometimes I'll think that I have a new interpretation of a passage, a new way to see it that no one's ever seen it before. Friends, if I have a new interpretation, that is usually a wrong interpretation, okay? People have been studying this book for 2,000 years, and I'm no genius that can see somehow something new and fabulous that no one's ever seen or written about before in all of the study of Scripture. We need friends to do Bible study with. This is where small groups or Sunday school classes are helpful. It's why we need those type of things. We need to hear how others come to the text. And we need to have conversations together. I was struggling with this passage this week. You know what? So was I. I was really angry with that. Or here's how I've learned to understand this passage. Oh, that's really helpful. And we start to understand and learn from one another at those points of confusion or those points of debate right? God can use others to sharpen our understanding and to get to know God better. Friends, ultimately, I want for you to love the Bible. I want you to love it like that writer of Psalm 119. Not because this Bible is God. It is not. But because the Bible shows us who God is and what God is like. Friends, the, the Bible is a living word, we believe, and God speaks to it, speaks to us through it. When we come in a prayerful attitude to Scripture, God speaks to us. I want you to be able to use the Scriptures for answers and discernment in your life. I want them to guide your prayer when you're considering monumental tasks and decisions before you. Ultimately, what I want is for you to be closer to God 
And when you are immersed in scripture, then you are steeped in God. I hope that you will strive to be able to speak the language of scripture. And that as you do, you might become more loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we admit that we say and believe lots of good things about our Bibles, and for a lot of us, we don't actually practice understanding and reading them. So God, what I ask today is not that every single person in here would become a biblical scholar, but God, that everyone in here would take a step in this coming week to do a little more than they are right now in the realm of studying and understanding your word. God, maybe that's as simple as taking the book off the shelf and reading a short passage this week or a psalm every morning. Maybe for some, that means doing a little bit more study and setting some time aside to actually write what we're learning. Maybe it means considering joining a small group of people or asking others if they would like to read something with us. Maybe it's asking our spouse if they would like to read the same passage as us this week so we can talk about it together. God, for whatever it is and whatever phase we are in, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would bring us deeper into relationship with you and help us take advantage of the fact that you want to meet us and speak to us through your word. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.